is episode 42 of the Fire Protection Podcast, powered by Inspect Point. Today, my guest is John Mackey from the Mackey Group. John has been on the podcast three times. This is actually third time being on the podcast and uh, one of my mentors uh, getting into fire protection uh, really promoted uh, us as Inspect Point to really kind of push the industry and technology forward. Uh, John and I uh, met up at NFPA a few weeks back in Boston. Um, it was really good to see people out there. It'd been three years since San Antonio at NFPA and a lot had happened in that three-year time. You got the pandemic, you got economic different conditions, uh, different uh, fires starting to happen with like lithium-ion batteries becoming more prevalent. Anyway, it was good to catch up with John and kind of give some highlights from NFPA. And um, yeah, it's good to do this industry talk just to just see where the industry's at and where we're moving ahead. So I appreciate the uh, listenership and please share, subscribe, like, whatever you want to do. Uh, I did break this up into two episodes since we talked so long, so there'll be a part one and a part two. But um, yeah, thanks again. Hope you enjoy. All right, here we go. All right. Thanks, John, for for joining me. This is what third time. Third time, I think, Drew. It's uh, it's been a while. We've we haven't done one in about a year, but uh, yes, this is uh, I think our third or fourth time for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. I saw you a few weeks ago at NFPA, and that was uh, it was just, it was super exciting to obviously see you. Your you know your wife joined you on your little little vacation thing too. So that was it was probably it was probably fun seeing the Northeast and getting up to here and to enjoy the summer, right? It was, you know, um, being in this industry for what 15, 16 years and traveling, you know, to every conference you can think of and customer events and you name it. Um, my wife is, uh, until recently, was not able to make those trips and now she's able to. And so it was the first NFPA she was at. It was an opportunity for her to see some old friends. Uh, we caught up with James uh, Golenbaugh and Pamela oh, yeah. yep. uh, one night for drinks and dinner. Um, and then all the names and, and uh, people I refer to uh, through conversations with her, she got to meet a lot, a lot of them. Obviously you got an opportunity to see her yep. uh, as well. So, um, so it was good. And, you know, there's a uh, lot to do in Boston. Uh, love the city and yeah. uh, we had a great time over the weekend. Yeah. There was a lot of buzz there. I mean, the red, uh, red Sox were in town or were the red Sox in town. I don't know. No, they might not have been. I mean, they obviously red Sox are, are always halfway decent. Celtics were there. Paul McCartney was there one night. And what else was going? On? Oh, the U.S. Open was there last week. So yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of buzz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's close for me too. It was, uh, it was, and obviously NFPA's. You know, we're, we're, you know, I'll, I'll do an intro to this, but essentially I want to recap NFPA and just kind of what's going on in the industry. But yeah, um, yeah NFPA being from Boston, it's coming home, having it at the convention center there. So. It was great. I I was really really uh, pleased with the whole week. I thought that uh, the first conference in two years for us to get back together was 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 perfect. Great city weather was perfect. Um, what I was really impressed with was the optimism. Everyone I talked to, from manufacturers to engineering firms to contractors, everyone talked about the strength of the industry, how busy they were. Um, 
the growth opportunities they saw with regard to uh, new products that were going into new markets and new hazards. Uh, it just had a different feel this year. Um, and maybe it's because we haven't been in there for two years, but it had a different feel this year than it did prior to COVID and the pandemic, uh, because I think uh, the markets have changed and it just shows that the, the industry is growing and um, um, it was really fun to be a part of. Yeah, it was, uh, we were at the last one in San Antonio. It was three, three years ago. It was crazy. Um, and I, I don't, I think it was supposed to be in Vegas the next year, but, and then obviously you know, it didn't happen, but, um, yeah, there, it just, it was, I've been to, I think it was my fourth or fifth NFPA, maybe fourth. And it was just a, I think everybody was obviously happier to see people, but, um, yeah, a lot in the industry's changed. The pandemic's really done a number in a, a both a positive and a negative way on the industry, right? Um, there's been a lot of growth, but there's been, you know, you got the manufacturing and supply issues now, which are, it's, you know, and, that, and that's kind of who dominates at least the trade show. Obviously, the conference and the technical meetings and all that, those are always great. Um, and NFPA had to transition you know, I'm on a newer standard, but even a lot of the older standards, they had to, they had to transition to, uh, you know, the different styles of holding meetings. Essentially, they've gone to teams, you know, with everything right now. Yeah, so. it, I think it's reflective of how we all uh, changed ways to run our businesses, right? Yeah. And um, although we, we really like to be face-to-face and, you know, share stories and catch up, um, in order to continue to work and how things get done, you know, we're going to have to use Teams and Zoom and all the other, uh, you know, programs that have truly blossomed through COVID. Yeah. <laughs> in order to keep uh, things uh, keep yeah. things moving forward. Yeah, Zoom went down yesterday in the morning, and I was having a panic attack because I had you know the whole the whole company's on Zoom, and we have <laughs> you know demos that we're showing and. It's uh, it, it was literally back up in 20 minutes, but you know, you Google it and like Twitter's exploding with Zoom, you know, and I mean, there's other platforms you can obviously use, but uh, it's how you meet these days. But I, I think, and even even at, with NFPA technical committee, I don't they get a lot more engagement. It might not be the engagement, you know, the face to face. That's I feel like a little better a lot of times, mm-hmm. but. It's you get more people on a lot of those on a lot of those meetings. Um, Absolutely. Right. Because wanting to travel to a, a tech committee meeting or any other committee meeting takes time. Right. I mean, it, you know, let's say it's a half day in, half day out. So that's a day. And then you're at the meeting for a couple of days. Uh, no one's got time for that. And if you if you can jump on a Zoom call and participate, one, it saves money and, and saves time and, and, and allows more people the opportunity to get engaged, which I think is more important overall. Right? At the end of the day, especially when you look at how the process is kind of flow through the NFPA committees, it's about input. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you need to make sure that you've got, you know, the industry engaged as you're tackling some of these codes and standards. Yeah. And you need a, a, a good variety of, uh, of, of stakeholders in those code processes. I, I, I see it in NFPA 915. They've done a great job with getting a bunch of different people on there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, maybe maybe in the past, and I think it still happens that way where whoever's got the most money within the industry 
is, is kind of dominating some of those code cycles. But I think NFPA has done a, a lot better job of getting a, a variety of people, some of the younger generations as, as well, uh, into there. And, you know, there's a lot of knowledge from the older generations that you can't lose, but you, you also need to fill the gaps where, you know, people are retiring and rolling off. So you kind of have to have that transition period uh, to kind of keep it going. So. I agree, and I think one thing I've learned, I'm getting more involved in the, the development of, of the codes, uh, just given my business and the things I get exposed to participating, you know, uh, with the FSSA and, and the committees I'm at there with regard to marketing and maybe the conference forum itself, I'm on the board for NAFED. So I get to see the, the industry from a number of different angles, and I'm, what I truly see happening with the way the codes are developed um, with the NFBA is I agree with you. Yes, you've got um, you know some of the the earlier generation folks still actively involved, and now they're running these committees. But the younger folks, the next generation, are now coming into one the process, which I think is very very important. And two, the codes themselves, even though the the main push of the code won't change. Let's use for example NFPA 25 and test and inspect, but there are clauses that are now starting to come into the code that start to set the code up for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, five years ago, seven years ago, you and I used to have conversations about how do we change this code and and steer it down this path. Right. And there were people that were involved in the committee at that time and just said, nah, we're gonna continue to hold true with what we've always done. Right. And right. that you know, the that next generation is now coming in and and really starting to slowly, but you know, influence where uh, the code's gonna be heading over the next few cycles. Yeah, the the code I think NFPA moves, I think it's a little slow getting them out, you know, every three years, but I, I think the adoption amongst the jurisdictions is probably more of the, there's probably a little bit more of an issue there because I, I just ran into it in, in New York City recently where, you know, I I, had, I was on the fire code committee or helped, helped a little bit with the new New York City fire code and, you know, they just adopted the new standard and it was, you know, I think NFPA 25 went to 2014. And I'm like, come on, what, like, why, why wouldn't you go to a 2020 or at least a 2017 version? And there's actually some, there's some pretty big changes from, from 11 to, to those later standards. And, it, and it's better for the industry. It's better for building owners. It's better for fire protection contractors, better for manufacturers. So I, I, you know, I think it's the adoption with the AHJs, I think, and it'd be interesting to see, I, I've only been involved in that process, but how does it happen at the state level? And why don't they go with a newer version versus stick 10 years behind? And Canada, Canada's got a similar problem where they're, I think they're even further behind in like Ontario. So right. um, it's, it's interesting how, how it happens. So it really is. And I think that, you know, obviously the state fire marshals and the, the local jurisdictions, you know, control um, how they're going to adopt and manage those codes in their in, in those jurisdictions. I think that the other, you know, influencers, if you will, FM Global, uh, the insurance companies, Zurich, Aon, the underwriters, um, have a lot more influence. And I think that we see their influence really coming through in, in some of the newer construction, right? How do we, yes. you know, how are we constructing warehouses and how are we protecting them with sprinkler, right? How do we, you know, protect and then maybe it's dry goods, but then how do you protect you know, a frozen warehouse and, you know, not only from a sprinkler perspective and, and, you know, freeze protected um, sprinkler heads and devices, but now bringing in more uh, air sampling 
uh, systems and, 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 you know, they're looking at it from a holistic perspective and not just this one single piece of equipment. So, um, you know, although that municipality might be 10 years behind the code, that new building is built to the newest technology, yes. right? And that will then influence the next building and the next building and the next building. So I think that's, that's a positive. Again, it's not going to change the world overnight, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it does set the tone for where we're going and moving things forward. Yeah, the, I, I've seen insurance be heavily involved in the, the design process a lot of times, but I, um, and and FM's got their on on, on the ITM side, um, but I feel like they're the only one involved on the ITM side. None of the other insurers. You'd think they would care more about the 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 maintenance of a fire protection system to make sure they're working versus i mean it's it's really up to the, the jurisdictions and i mean the insurance cares if there's an, an issue but um like i don't know I, it, I i wish insurers got more involved in the itm side yep. so yep i'd support um, that yep um so what what other what other key takeaways you know obviously everything's doing halfway decent in fire protection what any other big takeaways you saw no i think i mean i made a point to you know manufacturers say they're busy engineering firms are saying they're busy contractors are saying they're busy and and you know again that was where some of that optimism was coming from uh that growth uh let's look at it from the engineering perspective and the projects that they're working on and with every engineering firm i talked to says they just need more engineers yeah 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 <laughs> right um because they can't keep up with the the projects that they're coming across it doesn't matter if you're a regional guy uh, in the Northeast or if you're a national guy uh, or a global guy like Jensen Hughes. I mean, it's uh, every engineering firm uh, seems to be one screaming for talent and uh, two and do all they can to, to stay in front of the projects, uh, which is good because that sets the foundation for the contractor base. And when you talk to the contractors, you know, they're, they're saying they're take, they've never been busier. They're taking on as much work as they can. Um, and the only things, the two things that are slowing them down are one, supply chain issues and the ability to, uh, or inability to get their hands on product uh, and extended lead times from uh, the manufacturers and supply, other suppliers. And the, I think the biggest challenge that our industry is facing uh, is around labor oh, and yeah. skilled labor. And we talked to me, just made a reference about the engineering community, but you know, break it down to skilled technicians, fire alarm, sprinkler, extinguisher, special hazards. Um, and Fire is not any different than the challenges that HVAC is seeing or plumbing or, you know, uh, pipe fitting. So it just highlights that uh, uh, there is an opportunity for us to find different ways to, one, uh, attract talent to the industry and, two, um, develop them for careers in fire protection. Yeah. You, know, you come in as an apprentice. How do you work your way up to field superintendent, into service manager, into design manager, to sales, to general manager, maybe even owning your own business. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a great pathway. I mean, you and I have been able to you know, manage good yeah. careers in, in the space. And I think that there's plenty of opportunities for people that uh, are willing to open the door and, and explore it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, the labor's always, it was a big piece before the pandemic and then it, it kind of just accelerated it. Um, and I know every, every trade's having issues, but, you know, they keep pointing back to, I don't know what the root cause of it is and where, I mean, maybe we just don't have enough people to do the work in the U.S. I don't know. I, I, I almost, I, I, everybody says ah, no, nobody wants to work anymore or whatever. And, and that could have been it for a good year or so, but like we're, we're a good two years plus after this. And 
I don't know. I we just don't have enough people to do a lot of the uh, direct labor stuff. And I uh, think I, I I did a blog post um, last month about the labor issue and what's going on, and, and some of the research I came across actually took us back to the recession in 2008, 2009, and the construction industry as a whole said that we lost two and a half million jobs during that recession. Um, And so when we lost those jobs, when we came out of the recession, there weren't people to do the work. Right. Right. And we are still lagging that growth today. Right. So generally speaking, there's about a million, million and a half jobs still in the construction trades that aren't filled. Wow. Wow. Right. They're there. Yeah, there's not a people that aren't there to take them. So go back 10 years ago when those people would be coming into the trades to be trained, to learn a skill, they're not there. And so now they pursue other fields. And so as they have kids and their families grow, those kids are going to go elsewhere Yeah, um, because those influencing factors aren't there anymore. So I do think it's an opportunity for the industry, um, in our case, fire protection, to really start to understand how do we go back to a grassroots campaign? How do we find you know, opportunities to bring more people in and and show them how um, you can manage a career in fire protection. Yeah, um, So it's interesting. It's, it, you know, I think we it, obviously we're together in NAFED in Indianapolis and you had a chance to meet my son, <laughs> uh, Nolan, and um, he's in the process of, of uh, st- starting a, um, a software company, but focused on the trades. Right, and uh, I know he, you've talked to him and, and kind of gave him some some feedback and some pointers to uh, to think through as he does this, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but you know he you know he was a fire extinguisher technician in college, and as he was traveling with his you know sprinkler coworkers and his alarm coworkers, they're all talking about you know how do I get that next level of training? How do I you know make a couple bucks you know for the next job or you know how do I get a different route if I'm an extinguisher tech and you know, there were limited resources for those trades to find out where the next opportunity was, how do I get trained and develop and, and learn so I can manage a career in this space. Uh, and so the intent of his his website, his company, which is called Active Resume, active-resume.com, um, is to do that, is to help connect t- technicians to those resources to help find, you know, where how do they get trained, where the opportunities are at, where's that next job in their market to help them advance their career, et cetera, et cetera. So, so. so is it like a like kind of like a LinkedIn or is it a Zoom or is it LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn or um there's a couple other ones as well, but for yep. for for the trade industry kind of thing. Right? Yeah, essentially that's what it's doing. I mean, you know, it's it's connecting people with resources to manage a career. And it's you know, in this context it's skilled labor. Um and I see that that platform is probably going to expand beyond fire, but that's what he knows fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, and um, so he's at it th- three months now and uh, so far so good. Well, so, you know, focus on fire. That's all we need right now. That's I, all we I, need. I, don't, I don't hear about anything else. <laughs> no, I, 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 and honestly, I mean, I've, I've, I've tried to do small improvements on, on the house we bought prior the year before the pandemic. And it's, I, I can't, I can't get contractors here. It's like, Either they're 50 years old plus, or they're like, like apprentices. Like they're like new. There's like, there's no one in that, you know, 30 to 45 year range that's doing, 
I don't know. And there's some, but it's like there's such an opportunity. And maybe, yeah, they went, they probably went different career paths after. It makes total sense as the recession potentially did that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Um, I, the markers, and I think history just shows you can look at certain markers, certain economic events that happened yep. that changed the trajectory of society and certain things that people pursued. Um, yep. Go back to, you know, the uh, 2000 Y2K and all the IT jobs it created. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and then, of course, we get through it and didn't really turn out to be much. But nonetheless, it put people down the path for IT careers. And obviously, like the size of, you know, technology. And yeah, exactly. Everything it's doing to influence our lives today. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of technology, what were the... Uh... You know, I, I've got a few myself I'll, I'll throw out there, but I, I put a blog or a email blast that everybody saw the other day, maybe. But uh, the any new technology out there that was interesting? I mean, it's been three years since we've had them. And, and I feel like NFPA, I remember Christina Francis, who's now with Tesla, said this is, and I think we were on it, I don't know, five, six years ago. When we were first at NFPAs, go down, go down row 100 and you find some pretty cool new technology. But was there anything else uh, out there that that you thought that was pretty nifty? Nothing really like jumped out and got my attention to like where I was pulling people to the booth to say you've got to you know, you've got to check this out. Um, yeah. I think that um, when you look at the big OEMs, I didn't see anything come out of them uh, specific to um, something new and specific to fire. Uh, some of them were really pushing their smart building technologies and how to integrate the whole system. Uh, I'll leave them nameless right now uh, to to protect the innocent. And then um, I do see obviously a lot of conversation around what, uh, what's going on with AFFF and PFOS and PFOAs um, and alternative solutions uh, with regard to um, other types of agents and how those can be applied. Uh, again, some of that has to be tested yet and uh, we'll let that kind of uh, work its way through the system. But um, I did come across, and maybe you can remember the name of the company. I was talking to uh, the guys at Viking, um, specifically to the detection portfolio, and I was really surprised to see Viking used to obviously a traditional sprinkler house, you know, really good at what they do with regard to sprinkler technology and how they manage water. Um, but I was really impressed with what they've done in the detection space. Yeah. How they've built out a really nice detection portfolio. Um, and one of the guys that was in the booth, um, was I think the company was called Service Tech from Germany. Okay. Um, I may have the name of the company wrong. Uh, I apologize, but um, really, and these were tiny, tiny little devices. Uh, no, you know, smaller than the palm of your hand. Uh, and the series of them put together um, to make, you know, really robust detection solutions. Um, and the concepts were really simple. It was a more of a plug and play type environment. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool just to keep it that simple, right? So the what was interesting to me, and again, I'm not the engineer or the technician. So you have these, you know, really nice stainless steel wrapped, you know, infrared devices and yeah. all these big cameras and, right, and nice and robust. And then you come to this little device that's no bigger than a postcard or a business oh, wow. card. And you're like, wait a minute five of those in a in a string yeah you know can give me just as strong detection capabilities as that camera <laughs> interesting uh, it was very interesting again i don't i apologize for not knowing all the technical details about it if, if they are listeners you know i'd encourage them to go to the viking website and 
and, and take a look at what they have for detection. But um, to me, it got my attention. I'm like, okay, that's 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 pushing the envelope. Um, yeah, my, my, the, uh, Mike Crovo, who's yep. I think a head of the Viking safety group, or and and I know he's been doing it for I don't know a couple of years now, yep. and and it's really is pushing that direction. Um, and a lot of the, the stuff's coming maybe over from Minimax in, in Germany as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think there needs to be, yeah, there's, I mean, 10 years ago, there was some great detection, but the smaller you make it, the the easier it is to, to get out there and install. Uh, I think, you know, detections, you know, I, I feel like suppression is suppression, but detection, there's a lot more runway almost, I feel like. I mean, what did we learn early on uh, with regard to uh, the strength of detection? Getting those, capturing those fires at the incipient stage. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. And if you can start to create an AI or smart type detection capabilities that can tell you, here's how this piece of equipment is supposed to run. Here's the temps. Here's the revolutions. Here's whatever. Right. And it captures that, and that data starts to get a little wonky. Yeah. And someone starts to operate out of spec. Something's going to happen with that device. It's going to run hot. Right, it's going to malfunction. It's going to cause a problem. Yeah. So let's capture that early. Let's capture it at the time that off gases, like we talk about with batteries, but let's capture when off gases start to come off. And there's some smoke coming off before you see fire. Right, just yeah. kind of and then make them small enough that they can be applied in a number of different applications and not necessarily these, you know, big cameras and you know these big, yeah. you know, visual things. That uh, let's try to find ways to keep it simple. I, I and with the. Uh, Lithium ion battery fire issue, right? I think I I I, I don't know this for a fact, and I, I want to have Christina on here soon. But uh, to talk about what Tesla's doing, like I, they're already probably starting to do that, right? Right? Where if they can detect thermal runaway or any sort of thing happening with a lithium ion battery, they shut it down. They do it so you don't even have a fire, right? Don't even care about the suppression if you can get it detected early enough. Um, and I don't know what that is, but, um, yeah, it could be those small detectors or it could be have something to do with the actual battery itself. Right. Right. Um, right. I didn't get to talk to her much cause she was, she was in row 100 and yes, she, was she was the one that posted about it, um, about being in row 100 and, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool to see, um, what, what Tesla's trying to do and they're just trying to, you know, it's a big issue out there. That's the probably other than you know, whatever Elon puts on Twitter or the whole Twitter thing. Other than that, it's the fire thing, you know, uh, it, it's fires, fires with their, their cars and their battery systems. So. Yeah, it was interesting. Right. So you in the, on the floor itself, when you work your way back uh, to the expo floor, they had those little uh, train sessions and or, you know, I'll call them little breakout rooms. And the room was normally seated, let's say 25 or 30 seats. Uh, I happened to be back there when Tesla was doing their presentation and this little 30 seat little, you know, uh, breakout room probably had 250 people around it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, I was so far in the back, I couldn't even hear what the speaker was saying and I couldn't even read the slides because the font was really, really small. Um, but what was interesting was, and again, this is Tesla out there talking about the smart home. And they were, you know, had the demo of the house and on the house, they had solar panel shingles. And then those shingles go into a, a battery backup energy storage oh, system, yeah. um, you know, that's in the garage. And then you're going to use that power wall for off hours uh, power for your appliances in your house and for plugging your car in. Uh, but then some of the, you know, 
technical quote unquote, I say that in quotes for those who are just listening, the technical experts in our industry saying, you know, well, what happens when you have thermal runway in your garage? I don't want to lose my house. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so there's some of the naysayers, but again, I think what, you know, um, I, I commend Tesla for trying to continue to push the envelope with regard to how do you use this technology safely? Yep. All right. Yep. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time before the consumer starts to come around. I mean, where were we 15 years ago before we you know, conceptually talked about electric vehicles? Um, and yet now it's probably one out of every seven or eight cars, depending on what part of the country you live in. Uh, yeah. People drive them all over the place. So I, I'm looking to do, because I have good sun on my roof, and I thought a few years ago I looked into the, the Tesla roof, and it's it's actually not that much money mm-hmm. uh, to put a power wall in. Yeah, that's a little bit more, but I don't need a generator now because I'm in hurricane yeah. Hurricane Alley in the fall, so um, I kind of makes sense. And then I, I just with gas prices the way they are now, it's like there's going to be more lithium-ion batteries. Which if they can if they can solve some of the, I don't think you're going to be able to suppress one of those fires. But nope. if you can detect it, I think that's uh, seems like it's the way the way it's going. Yep. And that goes goes back to the earlier point you made, right? Shut that battery down the second it comes out of spec. Right, and make the te- make the battery smart, yeah. and then let it roll to another pack and better another cell, yeah. um, and put some alert in there to pull that battery pack out so that you know there is no risk going forward. This has been episode forty-two of the Fire Protection Podcast, powered by InspectPoint. Again, thanks again to John Mackey for for coming on. The episode today i did break it up into two parts so the the next one will come out soon episode 43 uh, we talked a lot about obviously the nfpa uh, convention and expo in boston a few weeks ago uh, second part gets in more of the industry and where we're kind of headed but uh again appreciate appreciate the listenership and uh like and subscribe see you soon